Hey, this is Exo Connor, and you are listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Thanks for tuning in again this week. We are excited to have here with us on the show Brandon Bagby. Brandon is the lead guitar player in the band Audio Adrenaline, as well as the founder of WorshipTeamBuilder.com. During our sit-down with Brandon, he was kind enough to share with us his story of transitioning out of the safety of a regular 9-to-5 job and moving into a more creative field, as well as discovering a mentor that was kind enough to guide him and introduce him to people to help him develop his skills as a guitar player in both the recording and live environments. Brandon also shared with us his views on a lot of the problems and challenges that worship teams face in their churches, which ultimately led him to creating worshipteambuilder.com to help these worship teams solve these problems. So if you're interested in learning more about worshipteambuilder.com, the link will be in the description, so look below. We also want to share with you one more bit of exciting information before we get into the episode. Many of you might not know this, but over the past year or so, we've been building a brand new studio facility, and it's nearing completion. We are so excited. Our entire Full Circle Music team will now be under one roof and we'll be sharing the entire moving experience with you guys. So to keep up with the latest Full Circle Music happenings and to get some sneak peeks into our new home, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Full Circle Music Co. The link will also be in the description, so look below. So all right, let's just get into this episode. Welcome to the Full Circle Music Show. I am X O'Connor. I'm sitting here with Brandon Bagby, lead guitar player for Audio Adrenaline and a jack of all musical trades. How are you doing, my friend? Doing great. Thank you, X, for bringing me in today. Dude, thank you for coming. We were talking right before the show started here about how this actually came to be. Can you please <laughs> share the story? Because I am still like getting over it myself. So it was April Fool's Day, and I had the bright idea of creating this post just basically saying, I'm so excited to finally announce that I'll be touring as the lead guitar player for Taylor Swift fall of 2017. Yep. And I said in the post, I hinted at it a few weeks back in a dream I had, which I did. I had I had a post, a random <laughs> dream that I was on stage with Taylor Swift, so I made a Facebook post about it. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking on that day, this would be perfect. I can tie this in and it'll be pretty funny. And so I tied it in and so it almost was trending on Facebook. It got over <laughs> 500 likes That's and awesome. hundreds of comments and people, friends were like, even family members were like, congratulations. And, <laughs> you know, and then people were like posting on my wall that I don't even know who they are and yeah, they're yeah. just like, man, so pumped for you, you know, and I'm just like, and then so Seth Mosley <laughs> texted me, he's like, man, how did this happen? Congrats on the Taylor Swift gig. <laughs> I would love to know the story. I said, I just texted him back, said, man, it has been the best April Fool's joke I have ever pulled off. Dude, that's awesome. And that's how the conversation started with Seth. And Seth and I have been knowing each other over the last couple of years or so, especially since he worked on an Audio Adrenaline album, the last yeah. one that came out, the Sound yeah. of the Saints album. He produced a few of those songs. Yeah. He's he's amazing. And yeah. you guys have an amazing team at Full Circle. So, yeah, and that's kind of how it's just alluded and started because <laughs> i was looking i was looking at the email today and sure enough yeah it's like april 1st or april 2nd is the date on it and it's like yeah. we got to get brandon on the show let's see what's happening and but here we are man a couple we weeks are. later yep. we're sitting here hanging out yeah. chatting so, so if you don't mind like let's just start out talking about what brought you into music how you got into music just kind of give everyone like your backstory how you yeah. are getting to where you are now yeah so i moved to nashville and i believe May, it was May of 2009. So mm -hmm. it's been almost eight years nice. since being here. And I basically gave up a corporate 
path, a corporate career uh, in Louisiana. Well, I was going down the path to where it would be the point of no return. Yeah. To where if I went any further, I would never give music a shot. Yeah. You know, I'd be too busy wrapped up in my corporate career. Yeah. You would have committed. Yeah, I would have committed. Yeah. And then I would have probably questioned in life, hey, what would have happened if I would have moved to Nashville? And and even backstory from that, when I was in college, I had my first gig with an artist. It was an integrity music artist. His name was Jason Morant. Okay. And toured with him. We did a lot of the Choir of the Fire events, played arenas when the Choir of the Fire was like a huge, huge thing, like yeah. 10,000 kids showing up. It was, I was not ready mentally. And I look back doing those dates and I was a mess. I was not ready at all in the, in the headset that I need to be in yeah. to do that kind of stuff. So, you know, Hurricane Katrina ended up happening. He moved up to Nashville. He replaced all of his guys, of course. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the way it goes. And I stayed and finished college. Okay. It was my last semester of college. And then after college, I stayed in the Baton Rouge, Louisiana area, and I was starting a corporate career. I was playing bars at night. I was playing churches on the weekends mm-hmm. and just kind of hit like that block, yeah. that, that income cap to know that, okay, where I am right now, Music is not appreciated as much or respected as much as far as what a player would get paid. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I've got one friend that I can call in Nashville right now. His name is Matt Gilder. Okay. Matt Gilder is now the MD for Chris Tomlin. And we had played with Jason together. And that was my only contact and friend in, in Nashville. Did he get me a gig? No. So let's just put that aside. It's not It's not my friend got me the gig. It's yeah. not, Even though I knew him, it wasn't who you know in that situation. Yeah. So he just said, man, just come on up. I'm going to be going out with Chris this weekend, but my roommate will show you around town. So I came and crashed at his house for three days when I was making the transition. Yeah. I saw it, loved it. And then I actually... The way I moved up here was I did the no-no. I went on Craigslist and found some roommates. This is before <laughs> Facebook. Before, and before Craigslist was super sketchy. Oh, before, way before. And so, and then, you know, now you can get on Facebook and you can see people looking for roommates and things yeah. like that, that kind of situation. And that wasn't happening back in 2008, 2009 yeah. period. It wasn't as powerful as, as it is now as far as a, a tool. Yeah. And so I came up, I met my roommates, I I lived in this little house near the Opry Mills Mall off McGavick Pike, and just random dudes I moved in with. And fun story is that the house was a rental property owned by the keyboard player for Brad Paisley. Oh, cool. So he'd come over and hang out sometimes and got to know him a little bit. And, you know, of course, he's asking why I'm in town and what I'm doing. And so I moved to town in, in May of 2009. Yeah. I don't think I played a show, but maybe once or twice within the whole year and a half. I starved for a year and a half. So what were you doing in that year and a half? So in the year and a half, so when I left my corporate job, to be truthful, I, I set myself up on the layoff list. Because if you remember that time period in history, the 2009 oh, yeah. mark was when the economy was tanking. Yeah, absolutely. So I told my company, I said, look, I know you guys are doing furlough right now. You're cutting people's hours back. I think I need to go do this thing. I think I need to move. And so is there a way, if you're going to lay off people, go ahead and put me on the list. So I talked to the leadership team about uh-huh. doing all that. And we did it. We set up like a small severance package and they said, we won't deny you unemployment. And yeah. so I lived on unemployment. It wasn't much. It was like a thousand bucks a month, but yeah. I, I moved up and kept my expenses low at, you know, $300 
a month for rent with yeah. my roommates. And then, so I, I was just practicing all day. I was practicing, I was meeting people and I was going to church. Yeah. I needed that year to reunite my relationship with God and say that because when I was playing churches in Louisiana, it started turning into a gig and I stopped listening to God in yeah. a sense. Like I stopped just paying attention. It was more of a job. It was a job. Yeah, you were kind of losing the focus. Yeah, I was yeah. losing focus. And so during those you know, first three or four months, uh, my wife and I eloped. Awesome. Uh, yeah, we dated for only like five months. And she was all supportive for me to move to Nashville and to do this thing. Yeah. And then, you know, she lived in Houston. I lived in Louisiana. And then I moved to Nashville. And we were always long distance, so Skype was how we dated, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and which is helpful as a touring musician because we established a relationship on communication first, yeah. most importantly. And so now, because I tour so much, I don't see him as much, but we still have the communication link and that, yeah. that heart link right yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. It's not as hard for people yeah. as it is for people that are constantly together all the time. Totally. You guys built that. That connection yeah. through distance to through begin distance. with. It helps so much. And so we eloped and we literally lived with my roommates for 30. Like I called them on the way up to Nashville. I said, hey, guys, um, so I just got married <laughs> and uh, we're going to need a crash for like 30 days. And then we'll find, you know, a place. Yeah. And then how much is the rent now? And of course, they doubled it. That's fine. Yeah, I get it. They got to make money. Yeah, I got paid for the place. And so we came up and we literally, our first month of marriage, this is like, everyone's dream is like the white picket fence right off the back of marriage. And this is true love. We were sleeping on an air mattress, <laughs> a queen size air mattress for a whole month. Yeah. And we basically came up with clothes because when I moved up here, I moved up here with a twin sized air mattress, some gear and some clothes. That's it. Everything else was in storage. And so we did the same when we first got married for that first month. Yeah. We got our clothes from Houston, just came up. Yeah. And just, that was it. And then we ended up, she found like a nanny job. And then I was still on unemployment. She was working during the day and we were living in a new apartment, which we went down to Louisiana and Houston, had to get a moving truck, bring it all back up. Yeah. And I didn't have any work. And so I'd spent, I was looking for work. I'd send out eight to 10 applications a day. I mean, this was this is hard times. Nobody's, oh, yeah, absolutely. Nobody's hiring at the time. It's just hiring freezes from company to company. It's just like, it's crazy. But then I started painting. And so I started painting like the day after I asked my wife to marry me. And then I continued that painting. That painting still hangs over our master oh, awesome. bedroom bed. Yeah, it's so it's the first one. And then I threw it up on Facebook and people were like, how much? I mean, you ought to start selling this stuff. And so so I kind of started my painting career before a music career. And so that whole year, I didn't play any gigs. I just met with people. And I think that was God just saying, hey, I need you to realign with me. Yeah. Know who I am first mm -hmm. before you go out and do some something yeah. cool or something awesome. And I think he, he puts us in those places so many times where we're just like, man, just like nothing's happening. Like, well, God's doing something behind the scenes. You just don't know it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he's preparing you for something. Yeah. And so I'm painting away and stuff. So I built up inventory of paintings, of oil paintings. <laughs> yeah. And people are loving it. And then I eventually get in a gallery and then we start doing that. And then I start making prints and making money off print sales and stuff like that. And I'm finding a ways to make money without having to have a normal job. Yeah. 
which is a very cool entrepreneurial mindset. And I've always had that mindset. And then about eight months into our marriage, we find out we're pregnant. <laughs> and the day we find out we're pregnant, my wife gets laid off. Oh, man. And we had just sold our Craigslist couches that we bought because we had just got new couches, bought them from like American Signature. Yeah. You know, he spent like 2500 bucks. I'm thinking yeah, things like- things are going good. Stepping going up good. a little bit, got some money to spend, yeah, you know. So we're, You're we're not going, starving anymore. Right. So, you know, indulge a touch. Exactly. And then all of a sudden she gets laid off and then she's like, and by the way, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, oh. And it's not the it's not the reaction you should give your wife. Yeah, when <laughs> she was not so enthused with that response. No, I wager. And I didn't talk to her for like three days. Oh wow! I didn't know what to do with myself. Yeah, I was just in so much shock of like everything happening, and uh, and we still talk about it to this day like the first time, uh, which we have four kids now, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> so things have worked out. Things have worked out, <laughs> you know, and um, and I didn't get you know any touring opportunities for about a year and a half. And I went and started working at Guitar Center for two months, yeah. two months, because that's all I could take. Uh, it was it was tough. It's a, that's a tough business to be in. I didn't really like, from coming from a business background, yeah. just their retail structure was so, uh, I hate to say, jacked up. Like yeah. There's so many things that could be improved to help their processes. Yeah. So I moved on to like an art store that I would shop at. So I worked at an art store for like six months, making like $8 an hour, which the math never worked out because it's like, okay, well, I'm bringing in 1200 bucks a month, but we have, what, two grand in expenses a month? Yeah. And extra gigs would come in here and there and little things. I'm just like, that was God, like providing all those things to just come in and every bill got paid. Yeah. Like it was incredible. And then there was an opportunity that came about with startup sips and strokes style business like okay. or a painting with a twist yeah and i got involved with that and i quit my job and the day i quit my job all these doors of creating your own job started opening up so that's what i did essentially is like i started creating opportunities and more opportunities were coming in and yeah. then touring opportunities started coming in and then mm -hmm. i just feel like the floodgates of doors just start yeah. opening as soon as i let go of the security of a job that wasn't even hardly paying anything just yeah. because in my mindset, I need that. Yeah, it was constant I'm, and you could rely, you knew what right. you were going to be getting and, and you knew it was going to always be there. Right. And so I let go of that. Yeah. And jumped off the bridge, basically. Took the leap of faith. Yep. And God has provided ever since, you know, and I won't say that there hasn't been hard times. There's always going to be hard times. Yeah. Especially in this realm of work, being a musician and then... I have my fingers in a lot of different things. Yeah. And Those so peaks and valleys in the yeah, music industry, man. It's yeah. like the high times are super high. Yeah. But the low times, man, they get they, they get just as scarce. They do. And I had a mentor that I found in music. Who who was your mentor? So his name was Chris Graffinino. Okay. And he has since then gotten out of the music business and he's uh working with a startup IT okay. software development company in downtown Nashville. Okay. He's great guy. Phenomenal player. And he would do sessions and like, I'd say, he'd say he was more of a B-lister for mainstream country sessions and okay. stuff. But I thought he was incredible. Yeah. And so, yeah, basically we were working on this project for Haiti when the earthquake happened. 
And I was helping with, we were doing this big Hope for Haiti benefit concert, like uh-huh. Dave Barnes came out and Andy Davis and uh, Tommy Sims. Yeah. And it was like a big concert in the park, in Centennial Park. And I was helping him put it together and kind of streamline some stuff. Yeah. He's over at my apartment and he's like, hey man, so like, what do you want to do? Like, why'd you move to Nashville? And this is when I'm, I'm like still working at the art store and... I was like, I think I want to do what you want to do. Of course, I Googled him to yeah. figure out, like, hey, I know he plays a little bit. Who is he? And it's like cuts on old Michael W. Smith albums and Carmen albums and all yeah. the 90s bigger albums. He's like guitar player on the on the cuts. I'm like, I want to do what you do, I think. And he's like, well, just come on over. That's so awesome. So I came over to his studio, which is probably much like the one that we're sitting in right now. He had it set up just for... For tracking guitars, and he's like, "Here's here's play, here's record, here's delete." I gotta go pick up my kids. I'll be back in like an hour. I'm like, <laughs> okay, because he had like a session lined up. He's like, yeah. and when I he came back, I think I had like one little line in that hour. Yeah, I just didn't know what to do. It's a lot of pressure to be put under. Oh, yeah, because I've never you're thrown on the spot, and here's a guy that you're you've seen what he what he does, yeah. and you look up to him. And I just didn't know the process. I yeah. didn't know like where to start. And then he taught me. He taught me the foundation of where, hey, this is where you can start tracking these kind of parts and then build on top of that. And then this is it. And then he taught me how to read number charts Mm -hmm. and how to write them and how to transpose keys quickly. And just, he'd push me. He pushed me on those. He didn't have to. I wasn't paying the guy. You know, there's some mentors out there that charge for their services now in Nashville and uh, and that blows my mind a little bit. Oh, it does. It blows my mind, too, to where I hope that one day, like, and I, I don't turn down coffees with guys moving to town because yeah. I was that guy once. Absolutely. And I hope one day what Chris did for me, I can do for someone else and just pass that along. Absolutely, man. Um, because, I, yeah, that's well, just my heart. I think a heart. lot of the people listening, too, that, you know, that's what they're trying to find, too. Yeah. Is they're trying to get into music. A lot of our listeners, you know, are wanting to find that person that they can connect with and who are willing to, like, invest time into them to help share their passion and to, like, grow their knowledge. So it's great that Chris was able to do that with you. It was awesome. And so, and even though he's out of the business, we still try to keep up with each other. And he's doing awesome things. And his wife, Heather, is, like, a big-time person now at CMT. (laughs) And so she's doing well. I mean, they're they're an incredible family, incredible people. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so you moved out of doing like your steady jobs, your security right. jobs, yep. and then you got into the painting and the galleries. Oh, yeah. yeah and then yeah. so what transitioned you onto the road? Like what act pulled you out into the touring musician lifestyle for well, the first time? Well, right when I quit the art store and then that painting gig came up with uh, the startup business yeah. and I was doing, this is the fun part. So I set up this conveyor system where I had like, they said, how many paintings can you do? I said, well, how much are you paying per paint? I think I pumped out 60 paintings in two and a half weeks. <laughs> and I set up the system to do it quickly. And I was painting one painting per hour. Yeah. So I was doing about five to six paintings a day. That's I don't know anything about painting, but I can oh, guarantee yeah. that's a lot of paintings. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of paintings. And it's much like what you guys probably do now when you're just busting out tunes. It's just like, let's find a system that's fast, works, and you still get a great product. Yeah. And that's the mindset I went in with. And so during that time, because people found out that, oh, you're not working a day job anymore? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, come and do this session or come and you want to come play, you know, this. And so I think 
I was, I got called, uh, Mark Stewart and Will mm-hmm. McGinnis called me for No Hope Collective, which is that worship project that was on Integrity and it yeah. never, I don't think it did anything. I think the week that it was supposed to release, Integrity had sold. So it got shelved, I think. That but happens. it was a cool, it was a cool worship project. And so I was playing live with Mark and Will. And first they sent me like a week or two before, like an audition. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. can you basically record yourself playing to these songs. They're sending like Big House. They're sending Get Down, a couple of the old audio adrenaline hits. And so I panned my playing on one side and the other side is is the, the original. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah, just these three songs. And so I sent it back to them and Will texted me back pretty immediately and said, hey, you know, with these parts, like so far you're like the only guy to nail it like the record. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah. He's like, especially even the ending of Big House. Yeah. Nobody's ever played it right. You know? So I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And like, my, you know, I'm learning Big House. My wife's yeah, like, awesome. <laughs> and my wife's like, you don't know these songs? I'm like, no, I don't. Because I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't yeah. grow up listening to this stuff. So this stuff was kind of new to me. Mm-hmm. And so then I started playing with them. And then I'm like at rehearsal there. And my mentor, Chris, yeah. calls me. He, at the time, he was the band leader for the band called Shadaisy. Yeah, I remember Shadaisy. Yeah, on Big Machine. And he's like, hey, uh, CMA week's coming. We're doing this private acoustic thing. Would you want to come in and and would you want to be on it? Could, would you be available? And I said, yeah, I would, I'd love to do it. And so and he could have brought anyone in. Yeah. But he asked me to to come in, and and he coached me through the whole thing, and just uh, I think he used it as a, a learning tool. And then I did like maybe one or two other dates with Shadaisy, and that's about it. But I asked him the first time I did it, I was like, "How'd I do?" You know, because I'm like I'm nervous. I'm like, "This yeah. is my first." He's like, "You did great. I'd call you back." So I'm like, "Okay, cool. <laughs> like, okay, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can do this." And so I'm playing with No Hope Collective. That happened, and I get called for this kid. It was a kid at the time because this is like a couple of years, a few years ago. Corey Lamb, new okay. artist, yeah. and so band leader calls me and says, "Hey, they want to add another guitar player just for rhythm. Would you be up for it?" And that's kind of like where the touring started, and it started like that. I mean, just one door opened after the other. So when you're first getting on the road, like that first tour you went out on, how many dates in the year do you think that was? Oh, probably like 60. Okay. But that was like, it was around summertime. So yeah. we did about 60 shows during the summer and, and during the fall. So just yeah. nonstop. Yeah, nonstop. And just, it was good. And it was hard. Yeah. Because that first tour, I remember my, my wife and I talking, because we, it was three months of straight touring on one of the tours. And we came home for two days in the middle, and that was it. Oh, man. And I had a newborn because my wife, we'd already given birth to, to Isley, yeah. and, and she was probably about eight months, seven or eight months during that time. Man. And, you know, there was some hard phone call conversations with my wife and I, like like we might need counseling. Yeah. We might need marriage counseling because being away, like it's it changed yeah. so much. Like, yeah, we dated long distance, but— the road life's a little different. Oh, yeah. And your relationship had evolved so much. I mean, you know, oh. you had a chill, not child. And yeah, one child, married and, married, and yeah. then, and, you know, things had changed, and we were together more, and then all of a sudden I'm gone again. Yeah. And, you know, we had some—it was hard. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know, I'm be honest. And so there were some pretty hard conversations, like, do we get counseling? Do we, you know— And so I made a commitment to her that I would not be gone for more than X amount of time. Because it's not worth damaging a marriage. Absolutely. 
at all. It's not worth it because at the end of the day, jobs come and go. And, you know, the con- the constants that you have is your family. Yeah. Keep that and God. Yeah. And that's it. Your careers come and go. Yeah, absolutely, man. As you've even pointed out in your own story, it's like all those opportunities, like you had the first day job career. And right. And that, that was gone. And the leap of faith brought yeah. you up here. Right. And then you had the, you know, the store that was your solidarity. But yeah. then it was like, you know, the paths converged to like bring you out of that. And another leap of faith brings you to the road. And then, yep. you know, it's just crazy how much, you know, God plays into it and just leads you and develops things, mm-hmm. you know, as part of his plan to like guide you to where oh, you're supposed yeah. to be. And so yeah. coming off, so coming off those first gigs, when did you meet up with the Audio Adrenaline guys? And how did you kind of get involved with yeah. all of this? During all that time, like Corey Lamb had ended and then I was working a little bit with Meredith Andrews. And then because I did well with her, her manager loved working with me. And so she called me for, first she called me for Matt Marr. Yeah. We talked about Matt Marr. And, but she was like, Darren McLean really needs a guitar player for this one tour. And just, could you do it? Yeah. You know? And I'm like, sure, I can, I can do it. And, but I really want to work with Matt in the future. By the time that tour had ended, Matt had already gotten a new guy. And that's just yeah. the way it goes. You yeah. know, it's just the timing and everything. And then it got to a point where it was like 2014. I wanted to start transitioning, not necessarily out of CCM, but out of certain pay ranges. Because yeah. at this point, I've got a family and I've got to start equating time to money and yeah. my time spent away from family. Mm-hmm. And then also the value I bring to the table as a player yeah. and my experience and being on stage in front of X amount of people and be able to handle yourself mentally in those situations to not screw up, to to do a, a good job and yeah. to look comfortable and not nervous. Yeah, you know? It takes years to develop it these takes, skills. Oh yeah. Like I talked about when I was 21 with that first gig playing arenas, I wasn't ready. Yeah. You know, in that headspace. And so in 2014, I kind of took some time off. Um, a mutual friend of ours, Mike Payne, was yeah. throwing me some extra work and things like that. And because I was talking to him, I said, I'm thinking about transitioning to session work or or I need to take gigs that pay X amount and up. And mm-hmm. so I started just turning down CCM gigs mm-hmm. that paid, you know, under, your under what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. And I just, you know, Will McGinnis had referred me. And then some managers in town referred me to the management company. And it was a matter of phone calls and two weeks of negotiations and talking back and forth. And then a lot of prayer because I had yeah. some other opportunities on the table at the end of 2014 is when things were kind of rolling in for the audio A thing. And it was like I had a couple country offers. And then do I want to go back into CCM with Audio A? And I had another CCM offer. Well, the thing that stood out for me for Audio Adrenaline was the Hands and Feet project. Yeah. And I talked to Will and I was like, is Hands and Feet a primary focus still for the band? And he said, absolutely, it is. And he was deciding to come off the road at that point to live in Haiti with his family, moved them all down there and to focus on hands and feet. I said, well, you know what? In in prayer, I was like, if that's the focus, that's what I want to be doing, you know, to where this, it's not just going out playing shows, that there's a bigger purpose to push a mission such as hands and feet project. So, and that's kind of how it happened. And then they, we all met for dinner one night. Like none of us really, (laughs) like we knew of each other, but we didn't know each other. You know what I'm saying? So, 
And we all just kind of met for dinner, and then we got thrown into a rehearsal room for like a week or two, and then got thrown on the Newsboys tour, you know? Man, that's awesome, And it was, it was great. And, man, those guys have become like brothers to me. Yeah. Like, it's amazing that, I guess, uh, our manager was able to see the personality types, and then God orchestrated a relationship to where we all get along. Yeah. There's nobody's having a fist fight. We respect each other, and it's just it's really cool. So it's definitely God orchestrated as far as the friendship that happened within Audio Adrenaline, as far as the new crew yeah. to come in. So, that's, yeah. man, that's so important, man, the bonding. And mm -hmm. to, to share a bond that goes deeper than just we're on stage together right. playing music. Like you mentioned, even with the band, it was more than just the music. It was like the outreach programs. Yeah. And then not only that, but then the personalities of the oh, people yeah. around you that just solidify everyone into like one group of just like like family pretty much. Yeah. And then even the ministry aspect after a show, because I, I tell people that, you know, ministry is not what's on stage, it's what's happening off stage yeah. after a show. It's like, you know, we've prayed for people yeah. after shows. We've gotten to hear how audio adrenaline, the legacy has touched their lives, how the old music just reached them when they're in the darkest places. Yeah. I'm just like, man, I'm part of something that is a pillar in Christian music that made so many differences in so many lives. Yeah. You've kind of taken that ministry to like to the next level from from what I've heard. You've yeah. actually started your own outreach program, your yeah. own initiative. Can you share with us yeah. a little bit about what you're doing with that? Yeah. So a couple years ago, you know, I would still guest play in churches and around the countries, yeah. you know, with friends that are pastors or people would just hire me to come in and play. And I would see a lot of needs on the worship teams as far as like some of these big churches are growing so fast. They don't know what to do yeah. like with the worship teams to where they're hiring guys. Sometimes they're hiring people that don't even know who they are. Like they just, they know in town they're a good player, they hire them, but they don't even know if they're a Christian. They yeah. don't ask those kind of questions or develop a relationship. Yeah. And then, you know, I've been in situations where it's like a train wreck, you know, because I'm... You know, I'm surrounded by incredible musicians living in Nashville. I'm very fortunate to be in that situation. Yep. And then when you step outside of that, you start seeing, man, you, you really are in a great situation being in Nashville, being around great players. And so some of the things are like, you know, I'm teaching Nashville number systems. Yep. You know, I'm teaching charting to where they're not having to follow the CCLI charts, which can be confusing for the musician. Yep. And then I'm teaching, you know, worship leaders... Uh, about leadership, not just leading from stage, okay? Because mm -hmm. a lot of times worship leaders get thrown in those positions like, oh, cool, you can sing well and play guitar or play piano. Uh, go ahead and lead the congregation. By the way, you need to lead all these volunteers behind you or paid musicians and lead them as people as yeah. well. Well, nobody ever like teaches you that stuff. Yeah, the Seminary is not teaching that kind of stuff. And yeah, I don't know if pastors are sitting down with worship leaders to teach leadership training. You know, they, they teach a lot of spiritual training, yeah. which is key, but nobody's training anyone how to handle people yeah. and handle them well, love them and grow them and develop those people and mentor those people. And so what I'm doing is with an initiative called Worship Team Builder. You can check it out at worshipteambuilder.com. Awesome. And I'm getting booked for events and you can book me, you can book me plus an audio engineer or me plus a whole team. And so what we do is I'll go in for personally when they when they hire me to come in, I'll come in and do a leadership training. Mm -hmm. um, I'll do a worship team workshop. 
to get people on the same page, teaching them like basic theory, crash course in theory, yep. how to do charts, how to read charts, how to listen to the music and chart instead of just mm -hmm. reading off CCLI charts. And then I do a guitar clinic. And then when I do the bigger stuff, like if I bring an audio engineer, uh -huh. we do a whole training on audio, all the audio engineers of that church. And so we first start in a classroom setting, like okay. in a room. My guy will bring in some studio monitors, a little basic setup, and say, this is how we're going to build a mix from the ground up. Like what I'm listening for for frequencies, where they sit in the mix, why I do what I'm doing. And then they bring that classroom setting to the sanctuary. Yep. And then we do live audio and using some of those similar concepts. And then he'll go over microphones. He'll say, here are affordable microphones. Mm -hmm. This is what they do. This is kind of what you need just to get to sounding decent. Yep. And then this is, you know, let's mix it. And then he'll go and mess it all up and be like, okay, <laughs> you fix it. Yeah. You make it, you know, use the concepts I've been training you guys on and fix the mix. Yeah. And so there were everybody, all the mixing engineers are going to be on the same page as far as how to listen for things and how to, how to mix the room. Man. So just huge things. And then like, you know, if I bring in the whole team, I bring in a guy for drum clinics. I'll okay. bring in a guy in for bass and keys and vocals for background vocals. Another huge thing. So everything kind of related to the musicians and maybe the audio engineering on, on staff just to make worship sound better yeah. in their church. But I've been to some churches where that kind of helps definitely needed, where the, the spirit is there and oh, the yeah. emotion is there. But it's just, you can tell that no one's showed them how to like fully execute what mm -hmm. they're doing. And sometimes, you know, as sad as it is to say, sometimes some of the message can almost get lost in that it's like just a mess of stuff coming at you. Like you're just hearing yeah. chaos and, you know, people are stumbling over things or they're right. not organized right. or whatever, you know, it, it pulls you out for that one minute when it's supposed to be drawing you in. Totally. And like, especially like with, you know, every time I'd show up to a church and then I'd have number charts and be like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, this is so I don't screw up yeah. too terribly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is so I can get my timing right when chord changes are happening and I know when all the breaks are in the song and, you know, it just helps for less mistake. And I, I even push it for churches that are, doing live broadcasts and they're live broadcasting the worship. I said, this system will help to where there's less error for live, you know? That's so awesome. just help them share the message. Yeah, exactly. And you're not going to, you know, hinder anyone's, you know, worship. Yeah. That's another thing, you know, you, you go and I, I work with some of these worship teams and some of the players are, they're good players. Yeah. And some of them need a little work here and there. Or someone needs, or they just need a little direction. Yeah. Like they can play, but they just need the direction. And sometimes everybody on the worship team is playing what they want to play yeah. and not necessarily what's called for the song. Yeah. And so I kind of teach that and I'll bring recording session examples and I'll be like, okay, we have three acoustic guitar players on stage and you guys are all strumming. Yeah. Let's think about who's actually in the mix here. Yeah. I mean, your sound guys probably just got you in the mix and you two are probably turned off, to yeah. be honest. Mm -hmm. If you want to do this, maybe you play diamonds, simple strums. You maybe do finger picking. Maybe you do the strumming pattern stuff. Yeah. And that way you start building the worship team almost like a recording session, almost like yeah. we're going to make this all work together for the song Absolutely. and not 
not a bunch of soloists on stage because yeah. we're a team. I always bring this fact, the hands and feet of Jesus, you know, yeah. hands and feet project. You can bring that all back. Hand, you guys are the hands and feet as musicians on the worship team. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the song is the message. That's right. And you're there to serve the song and the message. And Absolutely. to help people hear the message and to reach people through it. Yep. That's, absolutely that's so incredible that's, man so, so worshipteambuilder.com that's it Worship we're gonna have team. a link for it in the description yeah so please be sure to check it out yeah um one other thing i just wanted to touch on for a second uh, yeah. before we wrap it up you'd kind of teased it a minute ago but yeah. we, we segued so nicely into worship team builder <laughs> um so you had, you had mentioned kind of uh after after you had been mentored by chris uh you had that little lull and then yeah. mike Payne was kind of a man yeah. that helped guide you we, we of course are very familiar with mike Payne. Oh, yeah. he's been on the show before he's fabulous awesome dude so you you said you'd taken a little bit of a break from the road yeah and gotten into doing more session stuff yeah can you kind of just talk some of the the upcoming people like people that are wanting to break into music a little bit about what session guitar player lifestyle is like and how you kind of approach it yeah when i'm on my way to a session i'm praying yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing i'm doing like i remember you know, getting called for my first session, you know, in that year to where it was a live, a full band. Mm -hmm. And I was just called to come in and play acoustic. I was the acoustic chair guy. And I'm like praying in the car. I'm like, God, please let my fingers and my brain work at the same time with these number charts and transitions and remembering keys and remember how to just fly through it and stuff. And so that's the first thing I do is I pray that everything is work is going to yeah. work, you know? So <laughs> I spend probably like, you know, I live in Spring Hill area. And so most of my sessions are going to be in Franklin or Nashville. So it's like a 30 to 40 minute drive. So I got yeah. plenty of time to pray. Yeah, plenty of time to work it out. So I'm praying. And, uh, and so some of the approaches that I'll take, especially to guitar is like, and I share my secrets because it's, it's not really a secret. And I, I do a lot of Facebook Live mm -hmm. stuff. If you go look at my Facebook and I'm like showing people, oh, I did this section here and this section. You know, I'll usually start off like if I'm an acoustic player on a session, a live session, I'll start off with diamonds is the first thing. Because and then the next pass, I'll do rhythm. And next path, I might I might do like a finger picking thing yep. or, you know, or some some liners that are for that are integral to the song. So, but yeah, I start with foundational pieces first and then I come back and build on top of that. And I do that even when I'm doing uh, home tracking. So I do a lot of home tracking now more than going to a studio because today's, to, the way today's music is being made, and we talked about this earlier, is yeah. just like it's happening faster and faster and it's getting uh, more time sensitive to where I look at today's producer as a project manager. Yeah. And so while I know I'm getting parts sent to me or I'm, I'm tracking my parts, I know that producer or engineer is comping vocals or they're editing something. They're working on the project while I'm at home working on it. And that way, we're not sitting in a studio and they're pressing record, yeah. stop, and then spending all that time there it's it's more about time efficiency yeah streamlining the process yeah streamlining the process i love that i love that coming from a business background uh and project management and things like that i love that stuff yeah so um and i get it i i like i get it yeah <laughs> mike would you know give me a couple pointers here and there and mike's a smart guy i know you guys get to sit down with him <laughs> and stuff but he is extremely intelligent i yeah. love talking to that guy and he would give me some pointers on like, you know, what he did here and there and think like how he starts on a couple of things. Yeah. And because I, I imagine like for me, I know I play on some some 
songs that we do or whatever. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, the track, we've kind of built up the track a good right. bit. I can imagine it's a pretty daunting task if you get just a bare bones track. Like I know I upset yep. guitar players and <laughs> yep. just be like, hey, here you are. Put your uh, put your stamp on this guy with oh, like minimal guidance. I've I've had it as much as here's a reference track. Oh, we cut the drums, by the way. And that's it. No bass, no keys. Like we're in G. Just play some chords. <laughs> pretty much, you know, or here's the chart. Yeah. And, the, you know, it gets kind of, it does get daunting, like you said, you know, and so, but it's just, if you, if you look at the job as a process, uh-huh. you can get right through it instead of, you know, like my first time I was sitting down in Chris's studio and he left to go get his kids <laughs> and I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. So you just start with found, foundational things first and then you come back and layer the colory parts yeah. on top. It's so, just like building a house. It's like building a house. Bottom up. That's right. Hey, that's I, right. So, I love it, man. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what I what I do, and you know I've had other session players in town that were have been influential and helped out and during that time period and things like that. So you know even Chris, even in 2014, I think that's when Chris was kind of getting out of the business. He uh, he'd still give me guidance because yeah. he was there for so many years since the early 2000s. Yeah, you know doing that stuff. So. And man, the best way to learn is through doing, man. Yes, and from hearing from people that do, you know. Oh, it's it's incredible. Well, I got into home tracking about a little over a year ago, and you guys probably know Aaron Rice. Yeah. And he's hired me for live session stuff, and I just said, hey, I just bought Logic, and I've got this Apollo. I don't know what I'm doing because I've never engineered a project. Send me some demos that I can just practice on. Yeah. And just like you said, by doing. And so he did. I sent, you know, I played on a couple of things for free. I said, oh, I'm not going to charge. I just want, I need to learn yeah. how to do this. And so, so he just sent me some stuff to, to work on and practice on. And just, he loved it. And he actually ended up using some of it for some like songwriter demo stuff. But yeah, you learn by doing. Yeah. And that's, so, that's huge. I mean, to have a friend like that, that's willing to like, a lot, you know, a lot of yeah. producers and writers too are very protective of their mm-hmm. of their material to like yeah. just be like, okay, yeah, here you go, you can play with it. Yep, you know, do your thing to it. That, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, to have it was awesome. People around you that that are like willing to help you grow like that. Yeah, I I end up when I was getting into the whole thing, I called. There was two guys in town. I called like that were guys that have one guy has hired me in the past, and he's an engineer, uh-huh. and the other guy was a guitar player, but. Friends with that engineer and just mm-hmm. they, they had a connection. And it was so my first call was a guy named Dustin Burnett. Oh yeah. Which you guys know. Yeah, he's a mixing guy. He's in, involved with that sound, yeah. drums and those those packages that they're building, which is incredible. Yeah, great sounds. Great sounds. I mean it is that I want sound. That sound. I mean, <laughs> Everybody wants that sound. It's great. <laughs> uh, Paul Mayberry is knocking it out of the park, you know. But I, I called Dustin, I'm like, man, what do I need just to build a setup to get started? Just to get decent sounds and so he told me and jeff was jeff duncan was the other guy jeff mm-hmm. duncan is a now a songwriter producer in town yeah. and we met because we toured together he was a guitar player for a group called rapture ruckus and mm-hmm. a new zealand band and he's an incredible like cinematic pop styled writing like he's incredible he's i love what he does yeah, yeah and he was telling me the same thing he's like man all you need is this this and this like so you don't have to spend boatloads of money to get great sounds yeah so and that's why i learned from those guys and i think and i know you guys at full circle kind of teach on that too you guys Mm -hmm. talk about your minimal setup that you need just to get going and it's 
you don't need much. You don't need much. I mean, it's more about honing your technical skills because mm-hmm. like a lot of other tasks, it's just just growing and, and knowing your own ability more yep. than like what you have at hand. I'm, I'm Like you said, you've made records with minimal stuff. We've all, oh, yeah. you know. Dude, I've cut I've cut acoustics in my master bedroom closet yeah. that have gone to masters. Yeah, exactly. And if it sounds good, it sounds good. That's yep. like the I think that theme comes up a lot as yep. something a lot of people trying to get into music don't even realize that at the end of the day, it's about the sound of it. Yeah, if it sounds great. Yeah. It sounds great. It doesn't matter if you cut it in a submarine. Right. It's just your ability of a player yeah. to make it translate. Because playing, recording and playing live are two different things. Yeah. And in recording, you're trying to emphasize the passion of the playing into the recording. That's tough. Yeah. Without sounding robot- robotic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dude, so one last question yeah. for you before we get going. Sure. A question we try to ask everybody okay. uh, before we wrap up. If you were to give one piece of advice to someone who's looking right now to break into the music industry, whether it's joining a worship team, becoming a touring musician, something like that, what advice would you offer them? Well, if you want to move to Nashville, the key word I'm going to use is diversify. Mm -hmm. Diversifying your multiple streams of income. So in today's market, music doesn't necessarily pay all the bills. Mm -hmm. And that's the truth. So... Find other things that God has gifted you with skill-wise and technical-wise or artistically. Create your own jobs outside of the music industry to where when you're coming into the music industry, you're not as stressed and honing in as that's your paycheck Mm -hmm. to where you can create amazing music. So find other passive incomes and opportunities to where it will fund what you really want to do. That's awesome. Brandon, yeah. thank you so much for joining no us. Again, worshipteambuilder.com. Yeah. It's Brandon's website. Check it out. Man, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, X. No Appreciate problem. you guys. Thank you. Hi, this is X O'Connor, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jericho Scroggins and Jordan Salamoni. Head over to iTunes and leave us a good rating and a good review. That helps us out more than you know. Thank you to those who have already done that. To keep up with all things Full Circle Music, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Full Circle Music Co. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.